At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time for us now to look at the season outlook for the LA Clippers, a much-changed team, of course, with Chris Paul now in the franchise rearview mirror. They brought in quite a haul for him. Milos Teodosic, who looked quite entertaining last night, is on board. Danny's going to join me here right now. How you been? Good. How are you? I'm excited about this team a little bit after watching them last night against the Raptors in Hawaii. And I guess the place to start here, as we have with a lot of these teams that have lost stars, is what did it look like when they didn't have Chris Paul on the floor? Now, I'm not saying they're going to be that bad this year. This isn't a case where with the Bulls, with Jimmy Butler, or the Pacers, with Paul George, they didn't replace him. I thought they did well, if they're trying to compete this year, to replace the guys that they lost. They got Daniel Gallinari, who's way better than any three that they've ever had, basically, in the era, the Blake Griffin era, essentially. And they've got Patrick Beverly, they got Teodosa they got Lou Williams so they really look like a real NBA team they have a lot of solid NBA players on this squad but just so we have it last year negative 5.3 net rating with Chris Paul off the floor much of the carnage there defensively where they had a lot of problems but another issue that they'd had for years and years and years was that their bench was so bad and now they should be in much better shape with their reserves at least yeah they're starting the season with a better roster there than they have before though something to remember with bench play is that their starters have to stay healthy and because if those guys start sliding up then you start depleting your bench and something that I wanted to kind of start this with with the Clippers because it was something as I was researching that that I remembered and then I wanted to dig into it was as you remember the Clippers started last season as a house of fire they were really strong defensively their bench played great and so I was just kind of thinking well we look at total year-long stats they ended the year 13th in defense you know a lot of their a lot of their stuff kind of ended up working out for them so I wanted to look into well what did they look like after that hot start and you know everything counts I'm not saying that data doesn't count but they were 13th in defense I said this for the whole year they were 22nd in defense after December 1st last year and that's 63 games so it's not like it's some sort of small sample size yeah and Chris Paul of course missed significant time there Blake Griffin missed significant time as well Griffin I think actually the NBA has moved into being more of a fit for his talents at the power forward position now because he never provided much room protection but his ability to switch and move his feet became more useful as time has gone on and it's really remarkable though, that they're that bad defensively what 
were they with DeAndre Jordan on the floor during that period? So I don't have it during that period entirely, but his overall defensive rating for the season was 103.7. So that was 103.7 versus, for him, his total on season versus 107.9 for the entirety with and without him after December 1st. Yeah, so he makes a difference. It's a question of whether still most of the time his advanced numbers, at least in terms of just a pure on-off effect, have not lived up to his defensive reputation when he was a year ago all nba third team but this is going to be a very interesting season for him his age 29 season separated from chris paul though he will have some other playmakers and teodosic really set him up very nicely a couple of times yesterday and then also to see where he is defensively and how good this team can be i think now would be a good time to talk about how these new additions are going to fit in to docker's rotation it looks like patrick beverly and Austin Rivers are going to start in the backcourt. Gallo will play the three, and he actually was guarding DeMar DeRozan yesterday, so he may get matched up intentionally against some of the best guys. We'll see whether he can do with that. I thought he really fell off in Denver last year, but maybe now that they're asking more of him, he might be able to be a little bit better of a defensive player. That remains to be seen. And then obviously Blake and DeAndre at the four and five. Is that what your starting lineup would be for this team? I guess because you wouldn't need any playmaking. You know, like you think about oh, the the weak point there to me is, is Austin Rivers, but they don't really have anybody better for what they need than Austin Rivers. I mean, if you could take out the part of him that thinks he's one of the best players on the floor every second he's on the floor, if you could take that out of him, he would be a much better fit for that. And there are a few moments where he has that. He's like, I can make this shot. I can take that. I can take that triple drive but they don't have any other real options Lou Williams doesn't make any sense in that spot and they don't really have a three and D wing of any repute Austin Rivers is the closest and Beverly versus Tadosic I think you start with Beverly especially when you have so much other playmaking at the forward spots you want him in the, in those and then have Tadosic going against backups where his defensive limitations will not be as catastrophic yeah, the tough part about that, though, is then that Teodosic and Lou Williams probably are going to have to pay some minutes together, and both of those guys extremely flammable defensively. If you thought Lou Williams was bad, wait until you see Milos. Lou Williams is probably a better player than Austin Rivers. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I just think he's superfluous in terms of the way the way they constructed their team in terms of the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. And Beverly is a solid spot-up guy. You might want to have one more guy who can do stuff off the dribble. But Beverly, his talents are going to be wasted a little bit defensively on the second unit. You want your good defensive point guard going up against someone on the other team that he can negate. So I guess I probably would start this way. I do think it's likely that Austin Rivers is the worst of those four backcourt players just in a vacuum. Maybe Teodosic will end up being worse than him just because his defense is so bad. We don't really know how exactly that equation between his offense and defense is going to shake out quite yet. But I do agree with you that if you want to get a little bit more defense in the starting lineup, and you can certainly make the argument that having some of your best defensive players in the starting lineup makes more sense because those are the times when it's really hard to hide somebody. And yet when you say that, then you start to wonder about, like, okay, who is the best wing defender on this team? And it seems like Doc Rivers feels, at least in the in the preseason game, like it might be Danilo Gaunari. And if he plays more like he did a couple of years ago, that's a possibility. But it's going to be a challenge for them. And most teams now... I'd say most is about it's it's right on the fringe of 50-50 have a capable wing scorer at one or at one of the two positions very few teams have one at both and 
those drives and things like that are going to be hard for them to contain. Beverly's wonderful, and they can they'll do a better not a better job point guard defense. I think was Beverly second team and CP was first team. It was one of those that was the way it went last year. But yeah, but on the perimeter, I mean, and that was so that was something I actually looked up was and again you're dealing with small sample size theater here. It was about 900 minutes, but in the minutes where DeAndre Jordan was on the floor and Luca Chardonnay, who was that guy last year, was not the Clippers gave up 109.1 points per. per possessions so it's kind of like well gallo can be better than he was last year i expect that he will be but will that just create a hole in their defense that they can't really fix because that's just not what their other guys do well so we watched that game last night. Uh, I, I guess if we're going to still talk about the rotation, backup small forward is an interesting one as yeah, well. And you a know, surprise. Uh, yeah, to see Wes Johnson playing and actually playing reasonably well. He's had always been buried by Doc Rivers. I thought that Sam Decker would be a favorite. Decker didn't play until the end of the game. Now, maybe that's subject to change. It's just the first preseason game. Like, let's not freak out about it, uh, that Wes Johnson will be ahead of Decker in the rotation. But Decker is someone I really thought could help them this year. And Wes Johnson kind of is what he is so that'll be an interesting battle to watch all year and then what ends up happening at small forward as well or I'm sorry, at power forward as well, will we'll be interesting to see. Right, and that ties in with the big question to me with this team, other than like, does their starting five work is, will Doc Rivers actually stagger his guys? Because Danilo Gallinari, and Lawrence Frank actually talked about this on the broadcast a little bit, and he has moved into a personnel role, and is that, will Gallinari be their backup four? Because he can serve some pretty important functions in that, even though they don't really need much shot creation, because they're going to have Lou and Tato's probably. And defensively, it seems like a way better a way better spot for him but then that creates challenges at everywhere else in the roster and then if he if he isn't doing that well then who takes that spot yeah i don't really know the answer to that and how many minutes gal can really play is also a question especially when you consider that he's injury prone and that he's in theory gonna have to be guarding some of the best guys on the other team it's interesting actually the first guy off the bench as a front court reserve was jamil wilson who was a camp invite went to marquette but he's 26 now played last year in the g league and not to a ton of acclaim frankly uh below 50 or below 20 percent usage did shoot 39 percent from three he had a nice dunk coming down the lane as well so maybe they found something with him he but he could just be a camp flash in the pan as well but i felt like we better at least mention him just in case like he gets a rotation spot this year and we look really dumb for not mentioning him when he was in the rotation in the, fir- the first preseason game uh can't say I know that much about him other than that, but he looked pretty competent out there in that one game. Let's talk about the returnees now. Blake Griffin, it was reported early in the summer that perhaps he would not be ready to start the season that clearly isn't the case he was cleared for camp he played last night how did he look to you I thought he looked pretty good he seemed more comfortable with his jump shot than he has before I didn't see anything particularly wrong with it mechanically it's still not the forte but him shooting threes was we that was actually kind of a storyline of that game against the Raptors was just every single person other than DeAndre shooting threes and he looked okay there and then defensively he was moving fine I didn't see anything I didn't see anything noticeable which when you're coming back from the injury he is is significant in and of itself yeah the jumper looks better and he's always going to have a hitch in it but he certainly was shooting with no hesitation especially from the corner on those three pointers and maybe that's something that he needs to do his ball handling is always going to be good he's a solid passer but he definitely looked to have very little explosion at this point now that'll happen sometimes for guys too. remember anthony davis i was complaining about him not having much explosion last year and he went on to average 28 games so he he had a perfectly fine year but blake this is 
continuing a trend now and, and not having had a chance to train all off season now at 28 really I think we'll probably have to say goodbye to that explosive player and it remains to be seen how much that affects him I mean I think he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot I think he will be initiating a lot of the offense but I do expect him to migrate ever further out to shooting more jump shots and I think we're, he might get to the point now where he's just not a particularly efficient player with his own offense even if he doesn't necessarily help with his playmaking from that position last year Blake actually was more efficient than the previous two seasons uh, mostly because he was able to get to the foul line a little bit more and perhaps that's a result of going against more smaller players on the block and I think it's really going to matter a lot what his matchup is like on a night-to-night basis because if he can just overpower the guy and get to the rim and get deep post-ups or just back down and force help I think he can have a real successful night if he's got to go against more of a traditional power forward size guy and teams can always go with the approach of putting their center on him as well I think that's part of why his shooting three is going to be important to maybe obviate that strategy then I think he's going to struggle more the bigger the guy is who is guarding him I like that you brought up the idea of the last three years also because you're talking about efficiency because that's also when the big change happened for him in terms of dunks being a part of his repertoire so in the first four years of his career not counting the year he missed due to injury of course he had about two maybe three dunks per game that was really where he was after the 2014 starting with the 2014-15 season that went down to about one per game which is where he was last year 68 and 61 games and so that helps reflect the change that he was as a player but to his credit last year he got a little bit closer in terms of the proportion of shots he took in the restricted area that dropped actually to 29 percent of his of his shots two years ago to back up to 35 which is more where it needs to be part of that also getting to the line you know having those two things feed together to create a, a reliable base for him yeah and one thing actually that griffin deserves a lot of credit for is the improvement in his free throw stroke he's been over 70 percent now for consecutive seasons shooting a career high 76 percent last year so uh, we'll see i mean this isn't the year that i was worried about with that contract assuming he was able to come back from that toe injury on time which he has now he could always get hurt again but in terms of performance you know i think this is the year obviously the beginning of that contract where he's most likely to provide the, the max value that he actually signed for what do you think about the the rest of this roster who else either who was on the team last year or who's coming over could be a better player than what they were a year ago i mean west johnson is probably the one that you have to start with he looked more natural yesterday than he has in a long time he didn't have the opportunity to show it and they're going to need perimeter players particularly wings on this team and so he could be an improvement player I don't know how I feel yet about DeAndre. I mean, this is going to be such a different circumstance for him. He still will have plenty of guys who can pass him the ball. I mean, Blake is a wonderful passer for size. Gallo is underrated in that way. But Chris Paul, you know, those pick and rolls were just masterful. And Tadosic isn't quite the same guy. And Tadosic probably isn't going to start. So I don't know if anybody really, I mean, Blake might have better counting stats for those kind of reasons. But I don't look at this and say, oh, that guy, you know, is he's really going to have a better year than they did before. Sam Decker comes to mind, I think. Oh, that's a good call. Young enough guy now at age 23. Much of his value, of course, tied up in his three-point shooting. He's a nice finisher at the rim, can get out in transition, but 
He started off hot last year, actually played 1,400 minutes for that Rockets team. It's 77 games, which is good to see after that back injury caused him to basically lose his entire rookie season outside of three games and six total minutes played. Uh, but he fell off towards the end to only 32% three-point shooting. Never, ever takes a shot as befit a Houston Rocket support player in the mid-range. And so I think he can get better, and at least it's a good sign that both of the guys who are going to be competing at backup small forward we think can be a little bit better than they were last year oh i was going to ask you what do you think about willie reed like i think willie reed's his some of his efficiency stuff could go up just because if he's playing with Teodosic, if that's the way they're structuring this rotation that he's going to get a lot of easy buckets and he won't have to take any bad shots but you know he he's pretty much who he is at this point and he played about i think it was about 10 minutes a game last year for the heat i don't expect him to be meaningfully different on this team yeah he's a guy that we've always felt is underrated he's been dogged by a reputation of uh, not being the greatest guy in the locker room because when you look at his stats you'd think he would have had more of an opportunity than he's had so far yeah i think the backup big man situation is going to be very interesting there and and maybe the fact that wilson played ahead of reed was supposed to be a message to him last night or maybe that's just doc experimenting or wanting to get wilson some time with the stars or whatever but it is interesting to see that some of the guys we thought would be clear Clearly in the rotation, uh, not necessarily the case for them. Uh, you know, maybe Pat Beverly will have a little bit more opportunity to attack offensively. So maybe that, that's another one that w- we might see as well. And well, a guy I wanted to mention is also what kind of Gallinari we see. We talked about that he could be better defensively, but last year, you know, he made 39% of his threes. He shot 5.1 of them a game. And, you know, his he was still above average in terms of things like PER. So I, I'm not sure that he will be much better statistically but he could be a better overall player just because of his defense is less heinous yeah Montrez Harrell another guy who could fall into that mix as well they have some young guys on this team who actually could Bryce Johnson some can't roles, be worse is, yeah yeah well and in fairness to him he did Get miss hurt. most of the season with a back injury but yeah you have to you don't think necessarily that he's gonna be in the mix there for regular rotation minutes but you never know Doc Rivers is definitely not a Steve Kerr kind a guy who will just exhume guys from the bench every once in a while and just play them just because like he kind of has his rotations I think more so so uh, who ends up being in there at the start of the year I think that actually could be a predictor of what we see all season long that's true and a question that I had for this team and I'm sure Clippers fans have been thinking about this for a few years now is what players that are on their first NBA contract so that doesn't have to be rookie scale guys because they actually have some second round picks that are worth talking about which of those players actually contribute to this team so that includes Sam Decker that includes their two draftees this year Sindarius Thornwell and Jawan Evans that includes Montrez Harrell what can they get from those players because I don't think they're going to most of them are going to be key parts of rotation decker of course could be the exception to that but if anybody falters or if anybody gets hurt they're gonna probably get a lot of that they're gonna get a lot of the onus to fill those roles and so i want to see who if any one of that group steps up yeah harold another guy who really could be in the mix at that backup big man position all right what about potential decline cans and we talked a little about deandre and blake where is deandre statistically have we seen any statistical evidence that he's started to fall off as you would expect for an athletic guy in his late 20s 
Not particularly. I mean, you, his true shooting has gotten it, it was consistent for a while and then it actually improved this past year. Granted, that's also playing with Chris Paul. And yeah, I mean, you haven't seen that much. Well, he of also it. shot uh, he shot 48 percent from the free throw line. Woo! That's probably the biggest reason for that, you know, where he's that actually not a career high. However, he actually got to 53 percent uh, in that lockout well, year. So and also something yeah. that I wanted to talk about with him is that we we've often heard about rebounding being something that guys peak on when they're younger and then eventually deteriorates this is a big concern for Andre Drummond because he derives so much of his value there DeAndre has not done that you know he's this is his age 29 season he had the best defensive rebound percentage of his entire career last year he had the best second best total rebound percentage of his entire career last year but he was ridiculous on the offensive yeah. glass in part, 14 part of that is yeah part of that is because he screams at anyone who <laughs> takes away a defensive rebound from on his own team but he's been doing that the whole time a... so that's not really a change <laughs> and I mean, it is true that, you know, when when Blake misses time, they're often playing guys who are a little bit smaller there. But we'll have to see if, if that is a place that I'm going to watch that. And I also want to keep an eye on his block rate because that is something that actually declined last year. But there is a little bit of noise in it. Just he he's he, and DeAndre, I've actually criticized him for a long time that I think his shot blocking overrates his rim protection. So I want to see if he, yeah. if he can still bring it in that way. But I think we would see the step back. I'm sure people statistically would be looking for it off offensively but defense is where it's going to matter so much more because they just have less defensive talent overall on the floor now than they used to most of last year yeah they could put out some lineups that i think overall defensively are better yes than some of their main lineups last year i mean gallo for all of his flaws is a small forward who isn't going to just get overpowered i mean they're playing jamal crawford at the three for large portions of last year yeah, jj I- reddick at the two you know is a lot worse than austin rivers is so they do have so i think and blake is probably better than the guys they played last year uh, when he wasn't in there. Yeah, and that was when I I looked up some of the lineups that they used in those when I was saying the DeAndre minus and Bob Mute lineup, and a lot of it was the Reddit Crawford poo poo platter. And it is true that Gal was definitely better than either one of those guys. By the way, DeAndre Jordan has led the league in field goal percentage for five consecutive seasons now, uh, and shot a career high seventy one point four percent last year, uh, and seventy one point seven percent on two pointers. Yeah, he, you know, he's he really actually bombing he, away from three point range. He's led the league in two point percentage made so like field goal percentage for the last five years yeah it's it's been one of the more unprecedented i think he actually has the highest field goal percentage in nba history as of now uh so any other regression candidates here that you can point to? I mean, I think that there are, there are other guys that it's a, a, a possibility, like Beverly, you know, he he defensively has been spectacular. I think he will be again, but whether his shot's going to be a little bit more hit or miss this year, and just it's, it's a very different ecosystem there than it was in Houston in terms of the shots he takes and who he was playing with. So there's a possibility. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, when you change a guy's system, that could be there. But outside of him, I mean, I mean, we pretty much the guys we talked about, but I worry a little bit about almost everybody on this Clippers team just because they've changed so much and because there are a lot of guys who are injury prone. And so if you if you make their situation a little bit less palatable, then the the defensive attention and a lot of these other things might fall away. Yeah, Beverly 
he's a career 37.5% shooter from deep and he's been right around there the last two years a little bit above there so I wouldn't expect him to be much worse than that for average now maybe he just doesn't get as many shots you know that could be part of it that it's not as three happy of a team you've got Blake Griffin out there you've got Jordan out there this floor is just not quite a space you don't have James Harden setting you up Harden is one of the best in NBA history at setting up teammates for, for three-pointers and well Taya Dosich is a great passer Griffin is a great passer for his position they don't quite have the gravity that Harden has and Mike D'Antoni obviously is one of the offensive geniuses of all time in terms of helping set up three-pointers I think that's about it though that comes to mind to me for regression candidates let's talk a little bit about what we expect from Teodosic this year though I know we've talked about that before on the program but after seeing him last night what do you think he is a spectacular passer in the direct line with a lot of the other great passers that have been in the NBA he sees things that other guys don't see and I love the velocity on his balls he he does a very good job of, oh, yeah. of mixing speed getting the angles right and it'll take a little bit of time for the Clippers to do that the announcers I thought it was more than subtle shade on Chris Paul talking about how the ball is going to move so much more and how guys need to be ready for it earlier in the shot clock things like that but Tay Dosich does find guys and so that encourages them you've heard Lakers commenters and announcers and media members gush over how playing with Lonzo Ball you know it really motivates guys that's what Tay Dosich is too and Tatos has just been that since Lonzo Ball was at Chino Hills, since before Lonzo Ball was at Chino Hills. And I think we'll see that. I think we saw a little bit of that last night. And especially if yeah. they're playing. Well, well, and on his passing, on his passing, I, I think he might be the best passer in the world. Like he really might be because he just throws guys open and he throws bullets to guys that you didn't necessarily even know were open. He's got extremely creative passing angles. I actually think he's a better, just pure passer than Chris Paul is. Now, Chris Paul is able to manipulate the defense get to spots use the threat of his own offense in a way that Teodosic can't because Chris Paul is a much better scorer and is more mobile and able to get to spots in a way that Teodosic can't but just in terms of like being in a spot and finding the guy who is open I think Teodosic maybe is close to the best in the world uh but you know I, I, as I think you're about to start getting into there are some other limitations you mean the fact that he can't play defense and doesn't really care to the first possession of the game <laughs> I, I defensively was great Cal Lowry whom Teodosic was guarding came down the left wing Teodosic was theoretically guarding him and there's really no other Raptors around and then Teo somehow like ended up getting stuck all the way down by the free throw line got screwed screened by his own man Blake Griffin with no no other Raptor even in the vicinity and just gave up a wide open three to Kyle Lowry and that was a fitting first defensive play for Teodosic but the other thing that I think we know what he's going to be defensively it's going to be awful but he's slow he doesn't get into a stance the announcers actually I thought Bruce Bowen was talking about how he's not necessarily in shape for NBA and I thought they're being a little unfair to say like oh he's in shape for the EuroLeague but he's not in shape to the NBA like how you know the travel is so much harder I'm not sure that I necessarily buy that uh, but nonetheless uh, he probably could stand and get in a little better shape to be better defensively and where I really am curious to see like I I know I I feel great he's going to be this unbelievable passer I feel confident in that I feel confident in the fact that he's going to be horrendous defensively the question is like what is he going to be as far as his own offense as Mm -hmm. a score is he going to be able to keep the defense honest because 
he can't really get to the rim and finish and especially now at age 30 you know his athleticism has declined so if teams go under on pick and roll is he going to be able to stick that three and is he going to be able to stick threes off the ball in the nba is the further line going to be an issue for him so that's what i really want to see you know is he going to be able to hit a mid-range jumper too he loves to come off screens and kind of take that floating mid-ranger from about 17 before the guy can get over the screen behind him is the increased athleticism of players in the NBA can take that shot away so can he be efficient as a scorer that I think is going to determine whether you know he's going to just kind of be a curiosity and you know really fun to watch but maybe not all that effective or whether I think he can really be an outstanding offensive point guard I typically define this for players like him and I've said this about Lonzo as well in terms of separation can they create separation and can they punish teams when it exists and I'm a little bit less comfortable with that with Tadosic than I was earlier in his career Speed really does matter here because I think that help defenders will be able to recover to him when he's driving. And that's a big concern because if somebody else can get over there, yeah, he's going to find the pass if, if, if they're leaving somebody open. He'll be able to do that. But can he finish over a good contest? And then can he just take that shot and make that shot? The Chris Paul 18 to 19 footer that just made DeAndre's gravity so much more valuable. Can he make those shots enough to make teams handle it? And if he's playing with a little bit less capable surrounding talent let's say he's playing on the second unit yes they will have weaker opponents and that's that's certainly a benefit to Dosich. but can he punish them in that same way like I think he's going to be masterful in transition but can he be the engine for a half court offense against a set defense and I hope so I, I I've loved watching Dosich for years but I'm not sure of that at this point let's talk about the Clippers strengths now I think one that really sticks out to me that I had kind of forgotten about yesterday and then after watching that I was like oh yeah and it's, I was thinking this team was gonna be really fun and, and I'm a little bit less excited for them now just because they're gonna be really really good at getting to the foul line Lou Williams Gallo is another total trickster I mean getting to the line Blake Griffin gets fouled a lot DeAndre Jordan obviously some of it intentional hopefully not too much gets fouled a ton so they have a lot of guys who can either bully their way to the foul line or know all the tricks there was a point I think it was in the first quarter of yesterday's game when Gallo drew two fouls on like two possessions where I wondered if they might actually get into the bonus too soon because DeAndre is... Yeah, CJ CJ Miles was was apoplectic (laughs) at at the beginning of that game. Yeah, he was. And so I'm wondering if if there is a a circumstance where let's say they get into the bonus in like four minutes that teams then just go, well, fine, if you're going to do that, then we'll try to take DeAndre Jordan out for five minutes. Like If I were a coach, I would seriously consider it, especially because DeAndre is so much more important to their defense now that they don't really have those perimeter defenders. I mean, they can make it work. And because I don't trust his backups yet. Harrell and Reed could get there, but at this point, I'm, I'm not there. So it's possible. It, I mean, most coaches, you know, it's the idea that you do your thing each game in the regular season, then maybe that would happen in the playoffs. But DeAndre is so definitive in that way that maybe coaches consider it in a different way because it's DeAndre. Yeah. Depth, another thing we talked about, especially in the backcourt that they would have the front court maybe a little bit less especially at the two big positions they don't really have anyone outside of griffin and deandre who are established players but as we talked about gallo might roll over there and then maybe we could see some lineups with gallo and decker or gallo and johnson playing together i think another one is going to be rebounding with a traditional gallo is an adequate rebounder himself pat beverly likes to rebound from the point guard position deandre and blake both very solid rebounders 
rebounders. We also saw some lineups with Blake Griffin at center. We'll see how those turn out as well. But it's uh, I think they can be very solid on the defensive glass. Offensive glass, that's not really Doc Rivers' philosophy. He usually just likes to send DeAndre Jordan there. But if they, if they get back on defense, DeAndre by himself is a solid enough offensive rebounder that they're still not one of the absolute worst teams in the league there. So uh, given what their strategy is, I think they'll be a solid offensive rebounding team just because of DeAndre's ability. What other strengths do you see for these guys? They have a ton of players, probably the second most in the league to the Warriors, who if they get the rebound, they can capably get the ball at least up to half court and make a good decision. Because basically their entire, four of their starting five and almost all of their bench players can actually do that. Some of them, you know, maybe they're going to take some bad shots, but they can. And so what that means is they can approach defensive rebounding a little bit differently because they don't have to always have somebody hanging back to make the pass. And they also have a lot of guys who can make quick decisions. So I think that when the ball is humming on this team, it's going to be really fun. They also just have guys, a lot of guys who are capable of doing something offensively with the ball in their hands. Right? I mean, you look at Beverly, Teodosic, Austin Rivers, Lou Williams, Gallo, Blake Griffin. I mean, that's a, a lot more guys than most teams have who, if you throw it to them, they can actually dribble and attack the basket and make a pass unless they're Austin Rivers uh, and that you can say hey you know well if we throw it to this guy and either run a pick and roll or let him go to work in an ISO we can expect something decent to happen I want to see what their last five in the shot clock offense is. I'm guessing it's going to be on the higher side not in terms of frequency but in terms of success rate just because they have some guys they can get buckets and the fact that they don't have as many black holes is certainly a good thing there I mean they'll have some guys who miss but I'm a little bit mad that you missed uh Austin Rivers just magnificent blown layup in the fourth quarter of that game where he got a really nice steal and then it was one-on-one and he tried to do a nice like kind of step over move and then just missed the layup by like five feet but Rivers it's hard for me with him because I was high on him as a draft pick because I saw what he could do well and I thought oh if he can cut out the separate the wheat from the chaff he can be a really good player I don't have that confidence anymore but at the same point there is a useful player in there and I'm hopeful still that we can see it yeah and he I mean I'm sure what people saw in him when he was younger was this guy can blow by people you know he's quick he's got moves he can get to the basket and it's just there isn't that much great that really happens once he actually gets by his man you know, he's not that good of a passer his floater game isn't very good his finishing game isn't very good he, he's not really a great shooter but it, he has at least to his credit transformed himself into a, a capable defender let's get to the weaknesses now I think health is the number one that really pops out to me absolutely because they are full of guys that are talented but have had issues staying on the floor and they have depth but they don't have a ton of depth to replace starters they don't have a lot of starter caliber guys they have a lot of good rotation players so the you you know it's one of my like it's one of if we did a dunked on drinking game it would be a part of it is like you know it's not necessarily about the guy who replaces a starter it's also about the guy who replaces him but with the Clippers I think the first part is actually more important because they just don't have the guys that can strike that right balance if Danilo Gallinari gets hurt who are they going to put in and basically if Blake Griffin gets hurt it's probably going to be the same guy so they have to figure all of those out and then and the other part that relates to that is, are they going to figure out this ecosystem? Because it's a lot of guys that have been used to different roles that have, that like having the ball in their hands. And if they're winning, it's going to be hunky dory. They'll they'll you know they'll make it all work. But if it starts to get a little bit bad, you could see some crankiness here. One thing I'll be monitoring. I don't know if I want to call it a weakness yet. They of course, with Chris Paul in the fold, were annually among the teams that turned it over the least. 
with Teodosic, I expect him to be a pretty high turnover guy, both in terms of potentially dealing with pressure and also he just throws a lot of high-risk passes. If you throw these spectacular passes, they're going to get picked off every once in a while and then forcing turnovers other than Beverly really nobody on this team that looks like they are going to force a lot of turnovers yeah that's an interesting one and if they're let's say they're middle of the road as a defensive rebounding team then you kind of wonder then you're putting a lot of onus on their first shot defense maybe they'll be top 10 I think that's probably about where they'll be on defensive rebounding but their first shot defense is going to be incredibly important because if they're not forcing a lot of turnovers they're going to be getting a lot of those in the first place how do you expect that defense to be? I mean, there's just such an eclectic mix here w- between Beverly, who's a, a quality defender, DeAndre, maybe you could say Rivers, but then the guard line is really rough. And if those two backup guards, Williams and Teo, are playing without DeAndre Jordan behind them, you imagine those lineups are going to be extremely flammable off the bench. Do you think this can be a quality defensive team? How do you, how are you defining quality in this like top 10? Uh, I mean like above average. Above I think 15. they could be above average. I don't think they're, I don't expect them to be much above 13th where they were last year. You know, I, that that's a reasonable part of it, especially because they dealt with injuries last year. Something that I want to watch though is they had a, a really strong offense last year and they have plenty of offensive talent this year, but let's say they take a point or two off per hundred possessions. So that transfers of a, a series of possessions where the, the other team was getting the ball out of the basket to a defensive rebound to maybe a steal. Is that going to help hurt their defense? Because yes, they do deserve credit for getting back reasonably well. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I remember that from last year. If they have a few more transition defensive opportunities per game, will that hurt them more? than some people might be expecting yeah and i think the offense is going to be really interesting to watch too right i expect them to have one of the best bench offenses in the league now is with uh if they're going to play gallo someone the second unit if tay dosage and lou williams for they're going to be bad defensively but they'll be pretty damn good offensively as a bench unit i wouldn't mind if they had one more shooter though they really don't have like that one spot up gunner guy to come off the bench necessarily and that's lou will to some degree but if they have had a stretch four option who could actually knock down shots that you felt comfortable about so i think west johnson and decker are they going to hit shots that's going to be a really important but, but what about like did, if you just look at that starting unit which we talked about with rivers at the two do you think where do you think that is among starting units offensively is i mean i guess it's above average right yeah i would say it's above average i don't know how far above average it is but you have a lot of talent there a lot of guys who are capable but they're gonna have to figure out how to make it work especially if blake griffin shooting is not as consistently enthusiastic as it was in the exhibition on sunday night and that's another thing. This isn't necessarily a strength or weakness, but in terms of just the storyline, the, the questions about this team, it's really going to be a referendum on where Blake Griffin is now as a player. I think he's really not been in the conversation, in part due to health, for being all NBA. And I think especially at forward, there, even when you consider his healthy performance last year, not necessarily in the conversation for being an all NBA type of player, but he certainly is being paid like an all NBA player. Five-year deal at the 30% max. You better be all NBA, at least for part of that, if you're going to be worth your contract. And I think to see what this team is, 
is offensively, if they're going to be good offensively this year, I think a lot of that's going to be because Blake Griffin is the main engine of all that. Part of what they did this year, I mean, a lot of it was mitigation of the situation that Chris Paul decided to leave, but the theory of this team is that Blake Griffin can reliably generate offense for them. And that could be well-founded. I mean, he has done well in Chris Paul's absence in the recent past and in the more distant past too, but he's getting older and now you're making it into more of a focus for what other teams are planning and they can throw a little bit more resources at it. And then the other concern that I have there, yes, Gallo made a ton of his threes last year, is really where are the, you know, where are the people who are really going to punish the other team for that extra attention? You know, the the like the one second kill, like JJ Redick was actually great at this. Like if, they, if their team pressed in for a second, you get him the ball, it's going to be gone in a second, it's going to go in. And Austin Rivers is not that guy. Beverly can be at moments, Gallo can be at moments, but it, it just, it kind of seems like there's a little bit of a cliff there that they might not ever have to deal with because they have so much talent that they'll be okay. But it's just kind of like, I can see that if this doesn't work, I could see it really not working. Yeah. And then you also have DeAndre Jordan's free agency, the specter of potentially trading Blake Griffin as well. He did not get a no trade clause in that maximum deal. And there's also the specter of this arena deal now where they're really fighting to get this new arena in Englewood that suffered a political defeat as far as being fast tracked environmentally. So they can't just bottom out, I don't think. All very interesting storylines here. And we could be talking about either, hey, this is going to be their core for the next two or three years, and they'll kind of just be a six seed for this period of time. Or we could say, now nah, they're going to cut ties completely with what they were during the, the Chris Paul era with the Jordan and, and Griffin potentially leaving as well. And I mean, they have a lot of quality players on this team. If they really decided that they wanted to rebuild, and that's kind of what we hope they would do, uh, they could get a lot of pretty good stuff for guys like Beverly, Lou Williams. You would think they could at least get some lower first round draft picks by trading a lot of these guys and see, you know, give them some ammo to get started again. You ready to uh, do There's a prediction? one more thing I want to discuss before we get there, because you're talking about the different visions okay. of the team, and that's Doc Rivers has two more years under contract. He has changed his role. He's, as I understand it, he signed through the 2018-19 season. He's had his role changed. Yes. He's had his role changed for right. him, perhaps and, and more so accurately. Is this year a referendum of sorts on that? Because I could see Balmer, as much as he likes Doc Rivers, being like, I don't want to have a lame duck coach and I'm not willing to extend him. And so if this year year is a little bit of a disappointment do they want to go in that direction find some sort of trendy coach that can that can help change the direction especially now that they've committed to Blake Griffin like you talked about the prospect of trading him I'm not sure how desirable he is on that contract and so is that is Doc Rivers not coaching for his life or anything like that and and if this team is worse than expected does he really want to do that I mean he'll still take the money obviously but again it's the idea of a cliff it's like maybe maybe this team is closer you and I thought that they should have gone a different direction in the first place but how locked in are they on this being their path yeah and also if they disappoint they, they're not going to want to trade griffin unless they disappoint and if they disappoint it's probably because blake wasn't any good and now people are scared of that contract so maybe they wouldn't be able to trade him that's all and and we and we talked really yesterday about this, the deandre but... extension stuff and this ties into a point as well i mean his situation is because he's gonna the last chance for a big contract does he want to be with the clippers how did chris paul leaving change 
change that? How does the rest of the team aging change that? And so, and if he leaves with the current pace structure of this team, they can't really replace him. So then what does that mean for them? So going to be watching him and watching those extension negotiations for that exact reason. All right, I'm going to go first with the win prediction here. 42 wins for this group. And I'll give you my rationale. I think that healthy, you know, if you say 75 games for the key players, this might be a 46-47 win group, uh, maybe 45. That feels like it's kind of in that range of a team. But I'm not going to predict health. I think Gallo, he'll miss 20 games. Griffin, probably going to miss 20 games. Patrick Beverly usually seems to have an injury. Sam Decker missed the entire season due to back surgery last year. Not that he's that key of a player. Uh, Austin Rivers will, seems to get some injuries at least once a year, though a lot of those are kind of hand-shoulder type of things. So maybe not as predictive of future injuries. DeAndre is not going to get hurt based on his history. But I think especially because Gallo and, and Blake Griffin, you know, that's probably two of their three best players and then also uh, i'm worried about just blake maybe just not being that good anymore too that that's a, another issue that maybe he just has lost so much athleticism that he just is not the lead banana that this team really is going to need and so and then defensively maybe they're they've got some question marks so i think this is really it's not necessarily a bet against their talent so much as it is a bet that i don't see them necessarily being healthy so that's why i've got the 42 wins and i expect them to be right in that mix with memphis utah the rest of the teams i'm forgetting one probably portland i would i would i like portland probably a little bit better than them going into the season um although that's tough too because their wing depth is really pretty rough so i think 42 wins is what i've got for these guys what do you think i'm mad at you right now because i thought i was so bold when i picked that they were going to go under their over under and you know lots of people were thinking because i think it was at 43 and a half or whatever because of this the exact logic you yes 43 and a half logic you espoused and then you pick 42 and I was going to say 42. I'm going to go 43. I'm going to go one above you. I was going to say 42. I'm going to go 43. And I do think that there, it's hard because I'm balancing these two things that I, I I talked about this a little bit about the Pacers today that I was on Twitter that I was not enthusiastic about figuring this team out. I'm very enthusiastic about figuring out what the Clippers are. The, uh, this team is going to be such a challenge to just kind of decipher. And I see, and we'll talk about this in the good and bad sides but like I see a team that could win in the mid to upper 40s here and I see a team that could miss the playoffs entirely and so to kind of hedge between those I think the most likely outcome is that they're not super healthy but they do miss time I'm not going to bet on Blake Griffin to play 75 games so I'm gonna go with 43 yeah th- that all makes sense uh best case scenario I'm gonna say 50 wins for these guys the projection systems really like them the RPM projection systems really like them a lot but there's a lot of guys on this team who played with some other really good rpm players so and some superstar players gallo with Jokic, the rest of these guys with chris paul beverly with james harden how much is they really able to separate that out lou williams another guy who's really was playing on that second unit with the lakers last year and that looked much better because that lakers starting unit was so bad all of that i think rpm there's a good reason why it might be overrating these guys a little bit but i'm willing to at least acknowledge that if that's what the projection is it's certainly possible and if blake gets back to playing the way he did last year before he got hurt and this three-point shooting thing is real deandre keeps playing well teo hits his shots this could be a really good offense still i think so i don't see 
see them being some monster defensively but i do think that they could be you know a, a very solid you know sixth or something in offense if everything breaks right for them they could remind me not in style but in terms of just the overall season profile like what the raptors were last year where they were a 51 win team that didn't really scare anybody in terms of the playoffs i could totally see the clippers having that kind of a season yeah all right so 51 yeah, that's is my your high point yeah. best case scenario yeah worst case i would say eh, maybe like 36 wins I mean, and you know who knows like and i don't usually want to be like oh worst case scenario like the guy gets injured but if you look at what blake's history has been i mean he's had season ending injuries the last two years they just didn't happen until the playoffs but they did happen and if those if those had just happened earlier in the season, he would have missed the entire season, you know? So, and he had the elbow surgery before that. He's had knee surgery, I think, in 20, the summer of 2014. He's had now like surgeries every year for the last four, I want to say. So it's very possible that he could miss half the season. Gallo, been more of the nagging thing, you know, a, a 15 or 20 games missed type of guy. But in games when Blake isn't playing, they don't really have any other traditional backup four. They have to go with Wes Johnson or, or Sam Decker probably in the starting lineup. Neither of those guys, I think, is ready for prime time in terms of starting. So that would be a big time problem if they were to lose Blake for any amount of time. And, and I think that's a totally realistic worst case scenario as opposed to some others where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, the, this guy hasn't doesn't have a history of missing. I'll time. say 37 and add nothing to it from what you just said. It's basically the same. Yeah. Uh, last year, by the way, I think I had 53 wins for them. And what did 51, they have? 51. Yeah, eventually. With the Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, actually, in that group, I predicted Portland for 43 wins, Clippers for 42 and Jazz for 41 interestingly enough and we've got memphis coming up here pretty soon i, I so will we'll note that you are much more really of a memphis optimist than at. i am and since i'm not going to be doing that preview i will mention that yeah you i, I need you to fill out like all your win predictions here yeah that means point. i'm gonna have to actually got, like all, just all this i'm gonna empty have to actually acreage. think about all of them in the way that you have but i i can do that and <laughs> with the clippers so it felt like and, and we talked about this a little bit before but i think this is kind of the way to end this is it looked like they made their bed this offseason that the decision likely heavily bomber to retool from the chris paul trade especially because they they got a halt like they got more for chris paul than the bulls did for jimmy butler or the pacers did for paul george which is awfully impressive considering the circumstance so whether yeah certainly in terms of present present value and you can so you can kind of go okay well it's justified especially with bomber's stuff and the stadium and everything else like that to go more for a window direction and so what i want to see is is what what the heck do they look like? I mean, because with them figuring it out and how fungible is that? Can they, you know, move Patrick Beverly? Can they, what happens with DeAndre? What happens with, with Gallo? I mean, the Gallo is not on such an onerous long-term contract that they couldn't move it. And so really what happens? And it, let's say it goes well, like how does, how do they make this team better? And uh, Austin Rivers has a player option. I don't think that makes too much of a difference, but kind of like, are they as trapped in this as I feel like they are? And that, you you know, you could see that as a good thing or bad thing, depending on how you feel on their roster. But it is weird to have a team in this spot where it's like probably, you know, the six through the nine is probably somewhere where we both expect them to be in the West to be as socked in as they are. Another thing I'll be watching too is the financial situation. They are hard capped due to that Gallo sign and trade, and they're also going to really be trying to dodge the tax. And so 
their financial flexibility is a little bit limited if they want to make some additions at the end of the year we could see potentially a salary dump we already saw them do a salary dump of deandre liggins just to save twenty five thousand dollars uh, i think they paid atlanta a hundred thousand just to get off of that twenty five thousand guaranteed not really an obvious candidate for a salary dump though if that does happen unless they really are out of it i guess west johnson would be it but i don't know if they want to spend johnson almost certainly will opt into the six million he's due next year so i don't think they have the resources to dump his money which would be almost 10 million dollars more than that 11 million dollars worth of salary here they could move somebody like bryce they could move somebody like bryce if they got somebody for the minimum who is really interested they could do something more in that vein but again they're going to be right on the margins if they if if that's the sort of thing that they're going to do and it's tough i mean the clippers have navigated the hard cap to narrow to no success before but it is a real challenge and they're going to have to figure this out especially when they have so many immovable large salaries on the top of their books so it is going to be these types of things on the margins and yeah that player option for Wes Johnson is certainly going to rear its head at some point here all right, I think we're done here. Don't forget, we'll be back the rest of this week. We're on five days a week now. Looking forward to that with some more team previews. We'll get some actual local experts on. Didn't have one particularly that I'm close to now with the Clippers. So you guys had to make do with Danny. Again, I know those have a little bit of a different flavor. I think some people like them better. Some people don't like them as much. We've also got our Dunked On merchandise. You can check out the Dunked On hats. That's all available at NateDuncanNBA.com. And we'll be back with more team previews later in the week. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.